Today, I have the great privilege of continuing a series that we began recently entitled New Life. For you see, God wants us to have a new life. We believe so much so that our, our mission statement is making new and making great. God wants to make us new, but he also wants to make us great. He wants us to have an abundant life. And so today... I want to share on the topic, aligning to new life. Aligning to new life. The word of God, the Bible, will help us align to new life. And I wanted to start today by sharing something about myself that many of you do not know. It just so happened that over the past couple years, I have become a collector of old Bibles. My family, they know that I'm a pastor, and so they have begun to entrust to me some old Bibles that they picked up along the journey of life, and I have them sitting in my office, and I look at them often, and when I look at them, most of the people, if not all of the people, I do not know, but what I notice is that their Bibles are broken. They're broken, and they're weary, and they're worn out, but what I sense God speak in my heart is that if you have a broken down Bible, you don't have a broken down life. If your Bible is broken in, you don't have a broken down life. And can I encourage you, break down your Bible so that you don't have a broken down life. And so there's a couple Bibles in my collection that have specific and particular significance to me. And this is the first Bible. This Bible was given to, my, was given to me by my parents when I was about 10 or 11 years old. I had gotten over the little kitty Bibles, and I wanted an actual Bible, so they went out and they got me this Bible, and I still have it today. And it reminds me that my parents from the very beginning wanted me to know that God's Word is how I needed to root and ground my life. The second Bible I have is a family heirloom. This Bible belongs, or it belonged to my grandfather seven generations back. His name was J.P. Musset. He was a Methodist minister. He served, the God, he served God for over 50 years. He was a circuit rider. He had no leg on one side, but he still went around to preach the gospel. But the thing that's most significant about J.P. Musset was that he was a spirit-filled believer. We have seen in some family writings that he says, I love to hear the Holy Ghost speak to me when I pray. He was filled with the Spirit. This is part of my legacy. But I have to tell you that the two Bibles that are most important to me are these two right here. These Bibles belong to my kids. For you see, these are journaling Bibles. And about a year ago, my wife and I, we decided to purchase Bibles. And we wanted to write in these Bibles and help our kids discover who God is. And so at some later point, we're going to give them these Bibles because we want them to know that they can align their life with God and that he will lead them to new life. And we want them to discover God through the pages of his scripture, but we also want them to hear our voice echoed in these Bibles. And so I want to suggest to you, some of you parents who are here, maybe this is something that you want to do to help your kids and your students align to new life. God wants us to align to new life. He's got great things for us. 
And so I want to invite you to join me in 2 Timothy 3, verses 14 through 17. And I want to give you a little bit of context before we get into the text. This is the Apostle Paul writing. He's writing to his protege, Timothy. He's at the end of his ministry, and he takes the time to not only write one letter, but two letters to this young protege of his. And the thing about Timothy was that, from what we can tell, is that he was leading a significant church in Asia Minor, and he was only about 32 or 33 years old. And the Apostle Paul takes the time to write this letter to him, to encourage him, to tell him, I believe in you, I know that you can do it, here are the challenges you're going to face as a pastor and as a leader. But I also think that what we get through the pages of this, these two letters is this encouragement that leadership, and I'm speaking specifically to our young adults and our young families, leadership is not dependent on age, it's dependent on your willingness to learn. If you are willing to learn, you will lead. And if you can learn, you will lead. In this house, if you're willing to learn, you will lead. We will entrust to you leadership and leadership ability if you're willing to root and ground your life in God's word. This is what we want to encourage you with today. Let's start with verse 14. It says this, But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have become convinced of, because you know those from whom you have learned it. Let me pause here. Timothy had, had Paul as a spiritual father. He was a spiritual son. But Timothy, he was raised in a home with a grandmother and a mother. A single parent home. It just goes to show you that it doesn't matter what your background is. God can still use you. It doesn't matter what you come from. God can still use you if you're willing to say yes. Let's continue. And how from infancy you have known the Holy Scriptures. Let me pause here. Look at this. Right in this passage we see Holy Scriptures. And on my Bible it says Holy Bible. This is where we get the, this idea that God's Word is the Holy Bible. Right from this passage. Which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. Now listen to this. All Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. So that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. God's word is able to help align us to new life. God wants to align us to new life. But it requires us to align to him. God wants us to align to scripture and not scripture to us. God wants us to align to scripture and not scripture to us. The Bible is not a menu that we get to pick and choose what verses suit us? We must take all of God's word and align our life to him. God wants us to align with his word. And if we align with his word, we will align ourselves to a new life. And so today I want to share with you three ways that God's word helps us. Number one, God's word helps us get wise. Listen to this. The Holy Scriptures are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. God's Word has the ability to save you. That's called the making you experience. But God also wants to make us great. And in this passage, we see God wants us to be wise. So I'm here to tell you, God wants you to be a wise guy. Not in the gangster, mobster, movie style 
wise guy, but God wants you to be wise. He doesn't want us to be foolish. He wants us to be wise. So when I read this passage, I began to ask the question, well, what is wisdom? And then I started thinking, I said, well, what is godly wisdom? And so I went and I looked at the text and I studied and I discovered that godly wisdom, it's defined as being clever. But not clever in a way that's selfish and that's self-serving. It's being clever. It's being, having ingenious ideas. It's having divine insight. It's the ability to see. In fact, this word wisdom is the same word that we get where we get the word sophisticated. God wants us to have a sophisticated perspective of the world. God wants us to have a 4K HD surround sound understanding of what's happening in our world. He wants us to be wise. And I'll just tell you, my favorite definition of wisdom is divine insight. Divine insight. So here are my questions. What if you could see what other people don't see? What if you could know what other people don't know? What if you could see beyond what other people can see? Would you want it? I dare say the answer is yes. God has the ability to make us wise, to give us insight and foresight and hindsight and upsight and downsight, to be able to see a 360 degree perspective over every circumstance. And God's word is the only book that has the capacity to do that. I've discovered that when the word of God becomes the lens of your life, you will see everything how God sees it. When it becomes how you see the world, you will see everything how God sees it. Listen to this in Hebrews 4, verses 12 and 13. It says this, For the word of God is active and alive. It is sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. I'm going to say this again. Nothing in all of creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him to whom we must give an account. God wants us to have his divine insight. But in order for us to have his divine insight, we must be willing to qualify for it. It requires us to read God's word. It requires us to allow God's word to read us. And then it requires us to allow God's word to be how we read situations and circumstances. And if I had to distill it down into one word, it's the word beyond. God's word allows you to see beyond the horizon. To see beyond people's stated intentions. To see beyond the fast one that your kids are trying to pull over on you. To see beyond the deal that seems too good to be true. And to see beyond the sweet, smooth talking of that really attractive person who you know is really bad news and you need to avoid. God allows you to see beyond and to see things the way they really are. God's word can change you and make you wise and he can save you from regret and heartache and disappointment and hurt. If you're just willing to allow his word to be planted in your heart. There's a verse that, said, that says, your word have I hid in my heart. Your word have I buried in my heart so that I won't sin against you. God's word, when it 
gets planted in our hearts. It produces fruit that keeps us from sin, that keeps us on the right path, that keeps us aligned to new life. God wants us to move forward. But more importantly, God's word moves us forward. It allows us to open doors that are not currently available to us. Wisdom opens doors that are not currently open to us. It allows us to sit at tables that are currently not available to us. Young adults, if you allow God's wisdom to be in your heart, what you'll discover is that you'll be sitting at tables with great leaders. But it's because wisdom got you there. Business professionals, wisdom will sit you at tables with CEOs people and with people of great influence. We must allow God's word to be in our heart and allow it to get us wise. When you discover this, you'll discover that God's word and wisdom is the divine playbook of the universe. It is the divine playbook of the universe. Listen to this, Proverbs 8, 22 and 23. This is what it says. And this is wisdom speaking. If you want to get an understanding of who wisdom is and what wisdom is, look at Proverbs 8, but listen to this, verses 22 and 23. Wisdom says, the Lord brought me forth as the first of his works before his deeds of old. I was formed long ages ago at the very beginning when the world came to be. God's word and his wisdom is the divine playbook of the universe. If you want to know how to win and how to thrive and how to be fruitful, embrace God's wisdom and God's word. It will make you wise. It will save you from heartache and heartbreak. It will get you where God wants you to be. That's what God's word does. The second way that God's word helps us is that it helps us get equipped. God wants us to be fully equipped. Listen to this. All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped. Now let me pause here. Let me pause here because I want to just make mention and I want to reiterate this point that all scripture is God-breathed. Not some scripture, but all Scripture is God-breathed. And the reason why I'm addressing this is because in some theological circles, there's this perspective that not all of Scripture is God-breathed and God-inspired. It's called the partial inspiration theory. And it basically says this, that the Bible is not the Word of God, but that the Bible contains the Word of God. Can I just encourage you to push back on those who may say that you can disconnect the Old Testament from the New Testament, those who say there are certain things that you don't have to do, those who say you can abandon the Ten Commandments because that's in the Old Covenant, Jesus said, I came to fulfill the law and the prophets, not to abolish them. God's word, all scripture is God-breathed. And let me just say this parenthetically, is that at the time, the Apostle Paul, when he's writing, the only scriptures that they had was the Old Testament. All they had was the Torah and the Psalms and the prophets and, and the Proverbs. That's all they had. And so when he's penning this, he's saying, under the influence of the Holy Spirit, all scripture is God-breathed. Be willing to believe it. Be willing to be convinced of it. It will equip you. 
But how does God's word prepare us? How does it equip us? The first way it helps us and it equips us is it helps us catch our breath. Some of you who are here, some of you who are joining us online, you are worn out. You go to bed and you wake up and you're tired and you're worn out. And it doesn't matter if you go on vacation. It doesn't matter if you take a personal day. It doesn't matter if you go out for a walk. It doesn't matter if you watch TV or go on social media. You just can't seem to catch your breath. If you are there, I want to encourage you to get in God's word because God's word is God-breathed. And I'm here to tell somebody that God wants to breathe new life into you. He wants to breathe new life into you. It's called the pneuma, the breath of God. And the pneuma is the Holy Spirit. At the very beginning of time, the pneuma of God breathed into the nostrils of Adam and he came to life. In the book of Ezekiel, the pneuma of God breathed into a valley of bones and they came to life. When Lazarus was dead, the pneuma of God breathed into Lazarus and he came back to life. And the pneuma of God breathed into Jesus to bring him back to life. And the pneuma of God can breathe into you and cause you to come back to life. He wants to help you catch your breath and give you new life. God's word can do that for you. It can breathe new life into you. That's the first way that he helps you. He helps you catch your breath. And the other way he helps you is he helps you get fully equipped. He wants you to be fully equipped. But in order to be fully equipped, we must be willing to take the steps to become fully equipped. And the Apostle Paul gives us those steps here. He tells us that we must be trained, we must be willing to be rebuked, we must be willing to be corrected, we must be willing to be taught. God wants us to be fully equipped. He wants us to be fully prepared to meet the demands. That's what thoroughly equipped actually means. He wants us to be fully equipped to meet the demands. Do you have demands that are above your ability? If you do, God's word can help you do that. I want to remind us, Hebrews 4, 12 and 13 says, The word of God is alive and active. It is sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to divide soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. Many of us, myself included, we love to be taught. We love to be trained. But we don't like the rebuking and the correcting. We push back on that. We don't want to be corrected. I've discovered in my life as a pastor and as a counselor, that what you neglect and don't correct will wreck you. What you neglect and don't correct will wreck you. God doesn't want you to end up shipwrecked. He wants you to finish the race. He wants you to align to new life. He wants you to be fully equipped. He wants you to accomplish a purpose. He wants you to move forward. But we must be willing to allow God's word to do all of that to teach us and to rebuke us and to correct us and to train us. And if we, if we do that, we will be thoroughly equipped. God wants to do that for us. He wants us to step into that. And the third way that God's word helps us is he helps us get going. He helps us get going. 
verses 16 and 17, this is what it says. All scriptures God breathed so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. God breathed into scripture, but he wants us to accomplish a good work. Do you know that God has a good work for you? God has a purpose for you. If you're breathing today, God did it on purpose. There's something that you are intended to accomplish. We're not intended to just walk through life and consume air and consume food and take up space. God has a divine purpose for you, and he wants you to get going on that. He wants you to begin to take steps. So whatever that is, go to God's word. And what you'll discover in the pages of God's word is that he'll begin to whisper to you about your divine purpose. Some of you are very talented. You can sing. Maybe your next step is to try out for the worship team. Maybe some of you need to step out and begin to serve. Maybe at a food shelter. Maybe here at Westover. Whatever it is, God wants you to step into a good work. God has a good work. And he's prepared in advance for you to do it. But in order for us to do that, we must be willing to be servants. We must be willing to be servants. I want to pause right now, and I want to give honor where honor is due. For the last 15 years, I've had a front row seat to watch Pastor Jim and Denise as they serve the Lord. They're servants. Yes, he's our lead pastor. They're our lead pastors, but they're servants. Shepherds. In fact, I think the best way to describe Pastor Jim and Denise is that they're shepherds that smell like sheep. Yes. What that means is that they're willing to get close to you. They're willing to serve. And as I've sat in the front row seat of their life, I've witnessed a couple things. There was a time nearly 33 years ago when this church was planted and Pastor Jim was the only person on staff. And so he was the pastor, he was the preacher, he was the lead visionary, he was also the janitor. And what he would do is he would wake up early on Sunday morning, go in and he would preach. He would quickly then go to lunch with his family. Then he would head back to church early he would clean the church. He would clean the aisles. He would clean the center aisle. He would clean up the area. He would refresh the restrooms to prepare for the people who would come. Because he was willing to be a servant. He was willing to be a servant. He was willing to say yes to the good work that God had called him. And he was willing to do whatever it took to see God accomplish his purpose. He was willing to put in the hard work. Can I also tell you that I've been in numerous settings where we're having a dinner and they are the last to eat. They're always willing to give the best and the first to others and take the last and the least. And they deserve honor because they're willing to serve God by serving other people. They're willing to serve. They've heard the voice of God. They're willing to serve God and accomplish every good work. I've discovered that servants always advance God's good work. 
So can I encourage you, the next time you see them, would you say thank you to them for their willingness to say yes to God, for their willingness to say, I'll serve you, God. I'll go where you want me to go. I'll do what you want me to do. I'll say what you want me to say. We'll become what you want us to become. They decided to get going. But part of the reason why they were willing to say yes to God's good work is because they were convinced that all of God's scripture was God-breathed. They believed the word of God. And if I can remind you, verse 14 and 15 says this, But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have become convinced of. We must be convinced that God's word is true. We must be willing to say yes to God because you know those from whom you've learned it. You've sat under the preaching of Pastor Jim and under the life and leadership of Miss Denise. Let their life, let their life reflect the obedience of God. I, as a fellow son in Christ, I am convinced that God's word is all I need. I'm convinced that God's word is true. It is trustworthy. It is transformative. It is eternal. It is unchanging. It is reliable. It is life-giving. It will check you. It will correct you. It will cut you when necessary. It will compress you and make you into a diamond. It will strengthen you like steel. It will purify you like silver. It will refine you like gold. I'm convinced that every time you open the Bible that you will hear God's voice, you will understand God's mind, that you will discern God's will, that you will feel God's presence, and that you will know God's heart. I'm convinced of it. And I want you to be convinced of it. God's word has the capacity to breathe life into us. And so if you're here today and you need new life in your life, God wants us to align with him and to allow his word to pour into us. Open the Bible and you'll discover the one who died for you and gave his life for you so that you could have new life. He carried my sin and shame on a cross so that I could carry forth the good work that he had ordained in advance for me and for you to do. He carried it all for us so that we could carry forth his purpose. And my desire for you is that you would be convinced that God's word is all that you need. It is living and active. It can activate you. It can move you forward. It can help you discover new life. If you're just willing to open the pages and hear his voice. And as I close, I want to invite you to stand. And I just want to issue a challenge to all of you. Over the next seven days, between now and next Wednesday, would you be willing on a daily basis to open God's word and commit to discover who he is? I'm saying that for everyone. Imagine what can happen in seven days if you allow God's living and active word to pour into your life and breathe new life into you and help you become fully equipped for the mission he has assigned specifically for you. Maybe for others of you, it is to start a reading plan with someone else. Maybe it's to share a verse with someone that you care about. 
maybe a family member, maybe a friend, maybe a coworker. Maybe for some of you, you need to get a journal to begin to document the things that God is whispering to you. Maybe to document your prayer requests so that when God answered them, you can write down, God answered it. And he did it because he is faithful. Maybe for some of you who are parents, your next step is to buy journaling Bibles for your students and your kids so that they can discover new life in the pages of God's word, but that they can also hear you speak to them through what you journal and how you tell them about how God has been faithful to you and how he set you free from some things and what his purpose and divine purpose is for them. Our kids and our students needed to be rooted and grounded in God's word. They're yearning for it. It is our responsibility, parents, for us to root them in this beloved book. God wants us to align to new life, but the only way we can qualify for a new life is if we're willing to open the pages of this book and allow God's word to impact us. Would you allow me to pray with you? God, we come to you. Father, this is a sacred moment. Your word is spoken to us. God, your word has permission to teach us, to rebuke some things in us, to correct some things in us, to train us in some things. God, there's a good work and it's called bringing people to new life in you. It's helping them discover the making you and making great experience. God, may we be willing to allow your word to read us so that we can accomplish your purpose. I pray, God, that your word would come alive in the hearts and the minds and spirits of your people in the next seven days. And God, that they would over the course of the next seven days, develop a preference and a taste for your word and a taste for your presence and a taste for your wisdom and your insight. God, let your word be alive and active. Let it continue to be alive and active, not just in the lives of other people, but in our own life, Lord. Allow it to come alive. God, whatever it is that you've whispered or even shouted through, this message, God, that your people would carry it forth to accomplish your purpose. We thank you, Lord, for the way you've spoken and the way you've encouraged us. We entrust this to you in Jesus' name. And all of God's people said, amen. It's been our absolute delight to have you here at Westover. God bless you, and we are dismissed.